this is the Business's Mission podcast. Business's Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. I came across the very uncomfortable awareness that all of my ideas, my basic understanding of Christianity, of how it operates, of my role in it, were wrong. In this podcast series, we want to discover kingdom keys for business. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill is an experienced BAM practitioner. By the way, BAM is short for business as mission. Bill is from the US and lived 30 years in China, where he had handicraft factories. He saw God move tangibly in the workspace. We met at our BAM Congress in the Netherlands. Bill was one of the main speakers and he turned out to be so contagious. His stories made me curious and I wondered, does that only happen far away or can God move as tangibly here, within and through businesses in the Netherlands? or at your business in Africa, America, or Asia. In this podcast series, I'll interview Bill. At other times, he will be my co-host, as we invited guests who are eager to see God move within their own businesses. So listen, as we discuss ideas, experiences, and challenges. They might be yours as well. If this podcast makes you curious and you want to dig deeper, go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid training and coaching environment, which we are developing. In this episode of Kingdom Keys for Business, I talk with Bill. He believes that a business can be a wonderful place to discover God and implement faith. It might be a new concept to some of you listening. Bill discovered it step by step, and he really feels deeply that having a business is not his business, but that the God of the universe is the owner, is the real actual owner. Uh, hello, Bill. It's really good to have you again. I'm looking forward to this talk. Hi, Gay. It's great to see you and be back with everyone together today. Uh, tell me, uh, you talk about being in business... It's his company, uh, and you seem to have, you know, we did several talks. Um, we are developing this online learning thing. Um, you seem to have this sense of that God has this wonderful personality. Um, and I kind of come from a background that God is, you know, something to be deeply respected, uh, but it's kind of far away. So you make me curious and a bit of... But it tastes for more, I must admit. Can you share? How how did you gain this understanding? That's a great question, Gaia. And it was something that I had very little to do with initiating, but I was taken kind of through a process that really helped me to... Uh, gain this kind of a perspective and understanding of the Lord. I think, actually, I didn't really like him before. <laughs> and if I did like him, I don't, I'm not sure I, I really knew what he was like, and I think there was a fair amount of fear, but I always suspected he was mad at me because I never probably really met up to all of the sort of expectations. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I'm taught about... Right, wrong about uh, things to do. That was my perception. I remember when I was a, I was actually a teenage 
girl when I was 13, 14 years, when I, uh, there was this invitation in this charismatic church. It was the first time I went to a more, you know, kind of Pentecostal church. And there was this invitation. And, you know, you're 13, here you are with your dad, with your older brother. You really don't want to, you know, you want to keep keep quiet (laughs) (laughs) don't want to stand out (laughs) don't be noticed no don't be noticed but something pulled me out so i did go forward and there was this um, elderly lady i think she was pretty young but in my (laughs) as a teenager she was uh, oh you know god will be with you and but i remember i was i grew up on a on a river barge on a ship in the netherlands so uh, coming back on board, I clearly remember, I like, I kind of know that there is a God and there is more to this God thing, but I first want to enjoy life. <laughs> so I can kind of, you know, it seems walking with God is um, a serious business, maybe sometimes a bit too serious, and then I see your... Um, yeah, the way you experience God, and it uh, really makes you curious. So share some of how, how you came on this trajectory of enjoying God so much. Well, I think I'll take you back to a question that he asked me one time that sort of opened the door to exploring this side of his nature, I guess, or personality. So he asked me, if I spend two hours with a good friend at a Starbucks in the afternoon, is it because of that person's character or their personality? I thought for a minute and answered, honestly, I think it's their personality. And the Lord said, good answer. What do you think of mine? And before I could stop myself, I just blurted out, I didn't know you had one. I went to seminary. We studied your character. Yeah, that's right. And about only your character. Yeah, I know you're really, 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 really good. I have no idea if you're funny or if you're fun to be with. I just never thought about it. And he said, that's a problem because relationships really are built around personality alignments. You know, we, we like people, and so we want to be with them. And I feel like that was probably standing in the way of me really wanting to have time with the Lord. It was more of an obligation. I knew I should do it, but I wasn't sure I wanted to it's do it. It's a discipline thing, right? Yeah, kind of a discipline thing, something you ought to do. So I just asked him, you know, while I've got him on the line, it's easy to ask him the next question. And so I go, okay, Lord, would you help me understand your personality? And the first thing he said to do was, do the math on my first miracle. And I thought for a minute, what, what is he saying? The math on his first miracle. Oh, first miracle will be water into wine. Do the math. Oh, I bet he's talking about converting the six pots of water to wine bottles. He says, yeah, you guys don't have any understanding what six pots of wine really meant. <laughs> and I thought, that's probably true. It's a lot. I it's guess. a lot, yeah. So I did the math on it, and you have to round it off because there's not precise dimensions but uh, or quantities, but you can do that easily enough. And it was well over 900 bottles of wine. 
And so he rephrased the question, what does it tell you about the personality of someone who brings 900 bottles of wine to the tail end of a party? And I realized, oh, you're not the guy I thought you were. I mean, this is a very different image of who you are. And I realized that partying actually became kind of a theme. If you look at the personality of God, parties are a big thing with him. He, he actually throws quite a lot of them. On another occasion, I was asking for more clarity on his personality, so he asked me this question. Is it possible for anyone to be better at being good than I am? So I thought for a minute, and I'm thinking, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I think nobody could be better at being good than you. That's kind of your definition. You're the, the goodest. You're the best. And so then he filled it out a little bit by saying, then whenever I see something that I intuitively know is good, especially in relationship of siblings and parents, he said, I want you to realize they got that from me. And I immediately thought of a dad tickling a son. I mean, that's a good thing, right? I think everybody recognizes, no, this is relationally, this is really good. And so he says, so I'm better at tickling than that guy is that you're watching. Now I have the picture of my husband. You know, he loved to throw his kids in the air. And <laughs> exactly. that was like a play every night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the kids loved it. Yeah. But it's not a typical thing that you kind, or at least I don't, you know, of picturing God doing that with us. Right. So you, you start picturing those kind of things? Absolutely. So where does... Your husband, where did he get that intuition, that desire to toss his kids up in the air? I did exactly the same thing. I think it actually comes from God. I don't think it's a good thing to do, and we can't be better at being good than God is. I think we borrow all of those things. You know, a father leaning over and kissing his daughter on the top of the head as they're walking through a park hand in hand. That's just good. Well, that comes from God. He's like that. That is a peek into his personality. I think he'll throw the football better than anybody would imagine or kick the soccer ball. You know, you can do more goalies than anybody guessed. I mean, he's his personality is well-rounded. He's good at all of those relational things. We're good at it because he is. We get that from him. Maybe I'm influenced by all the European glasses in the stained how you say glass stained glasses in the yeah. churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's it's a different picture. It's an entirely different picture. I did a study on that once. I cannot find one picture of God or Jesus in churches where he's happy. Well, maybe he's crying over the world. That's a part of what he is like, but it's not the whole picture. The problem is that when that's the only thing we see, we don't get a full picture of what he's really like. So did you encounter this part? Because that's a part of God too, right? Right. Let me share one other story, then I'll elaborate on that as well. This was the third thing he showed me to really understand his personality, and I'm not sure I've ever recovered from it. It really uh, shook me up when I realized the depth of who he is and what he's like. 
This occurred when I was speaking in a church overseas, and um, as he sometimes does, he interrupted my message <laughs> while I was delivering it. And so he says, I want you to do something. I want you to now reenact the prodigal son's return home two times. And I want you then to ask the people in the church which one is most biblical. So I've just learned to go with this. So I think he's saying it. So I'll just, I, excuse, I stopped what I was talking about. And I said, Excuse me, would you mind if we do an experiment? I would like to. Uh, reenact the prodigal son two times and ask all of you which one is the most biblical. And honestly, at that moment, I didn't know where this was going to go. So it's very often the the adventure of following his his word is uh, you're way out there on a branch. You know, you don't know if you're going to fall off or not. That's part of the fun of it. And so they, of course, agreed. And uh, have a good friend, Michael. He was uh, one of the African students, about six foot tall guy, and he was in the back of the church. So I said, hey, Michael, would you mind being the prodigal son? And he said, sure. And so the church had one central aisle and a couple of others, so he got lined up on the central aisle. And uh, he started walking forward, and so I kind of hopped off that platform. It was a couple of feet high, and, and I semi-ran to him and, and embraced him, and I said, oh, Michael, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're back home. I, this is just marvelous. I can't wait to take you home and show everybody that you're back. And so I put my arm around his back, and we began walking toward the front of the church, which is representing of home, and then I stopped him. And I said, hey, uh, Michael, before we get home, we probably ought to review our family values. I think that there's some issues that we want to make sure we're on the same page about before we go home. So I we, hear some people saying that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, right. you need to be sensible, right? That's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> and so they were smiling, they're laughing in the church. And so I said, oh, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I'll put my arm around him again and take a few steps and stop a second time. And this time I say, Oh, Michael, before we get home, we probably ought to think about some financial repayment program because this, there's really a lot of money at stake here that we need to kind of get cleaned up and put back in proper order. Now people are laughing out loud. And so I think it's because we all expect God is really kind of like that. And so I said, okay, thank you, Michael. That's the first time. Now let's reenact it one more time. And Gay, honestly, I don't know where this is going to go at that moment. I'm just, I'm just winging it. And so he goes back and he touches the wall, and then something takes me over. I would say it was like the spirit just took me by surprise. I flew off of the platform. I broke my little toe, but I got to Michael, I think, before he took two steps. Now, he's a six-foot-tall guy. I'm 5'7". I guess that's someone like a Dutch person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a Dutch person. And so when I get him, I'm, I'm hugging him, and I'm lifting him off the ground. I'm screaming his name as loud as I can, and I'm just totally shocked by how emotional this thing has become. Now I'm kissing him on his cheek when I put him back on the ground, and I'm hugging him, and I'm holding him again, and screaming his name, and now I'm just announcing to everyone, my son, my son, he was dead. Now look, he's alive, he's back home, and I'm just undone. I am so caught up in this, and I'm asking myself the question, the way God is making me feel toward Michael, could God possibly feel that way about me? 
And it's just this incredible passion. I'm in no shape. I'm returning home. I haven't even repented yet in the story. I, I really blew it. I really messed up. And it's not, there's no hint of that in the father in the story. Get the robe, get the ring. And so I'm doing that kind of thing. Quick, get the Marriott. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, the biggest party the city's ever seen. No hint of family value renewal, no hint of financial programs. And I'm walking in forward. Now, everybody's just crying. Everybody in the church. We didn't expect his personality to be so absolutely overwhelmingly loving. So now I get to go to work with that, that person. That's the person who owns the company I'm stewarding. I'm kind of quiet, you know, after a story like this. But talking about the family values, I'm reminded of uh, a story what happened at our home. Our son uh, used our car. Actually, it wasn't our car. At that time, we were still working with Mercy Ships. And so it was one of the actually nicest car we ever gotten from a, I think it was a pharmacist who gave the car to Mercy Ships. So here he was and, well, he wrecked the car. He ended up in a ditch and he had drank too much, too much alcohol. But, you know, it was just before the summer. I was actually like, maybe this is a good way he is taught some family values, <laughs> you know. Well, when you do something like this, maybe you learn that you better don't do this and you need to work the whole summer to pay this back. You know what happened? What? It was a miracle. All our cars, our second-hand cars, were, had an insurance that only covered the basics. Mm -hmm. And the lady at the office had made a mistake. The car was totally insured. <laughs> I'm like, God, is, he, he himself felt it was a, a miracle and it was something that God just gave to him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God is way more generous than I am. He has a different strategy of pulling my kids towards him. Right. He's unexpectedly good. Mm -hmm. He's really surprisingly caring and, and involved and interested. But this personality thing, it's, um, I heard you before about it, and I, we never think of God that way. You know, we think of, indeed, of his character and how good he is, but fun or, or you know, it's, it's kind of all serious and static. Right. Well, this brings kind of life to it. It's like, then it's less, oh, we should... Um, we should do this, or we should do that. It's more, we like to. Yes. Is that what happened to you? Very much so. He's the most interesting personality in the universe. When you get to see him, as the scripture describes him, we don't have to say anything other than, let's just look at the stories in the scripture. They're going to be reliable. But let's fill in the detail. Let's kind of flesh it out. And so in reenacting that story, I I don't think I've ever recovered, Gail. It permanently affected my understanding and opinion of who he is, and that's affected what I do. Mm -hmm. Let me also, though, explain a balancing component to this. I believe that 
there are times when the seriousness of the condition of the world, the lostness of people, the tragedy of his love, the price he's paid to buy them back, is unexchanged. It's it's not connected. That that tragedy, it's a it's a big thing and can happen simultaneously. What I mean by that is, if I have a situation where I saved the life of a child, let's say that they were drowning and I saved them from drowning, and they were only three years old. But we were friends, family friends, and they knew who I was. And when he was, uh, let's say, 12 years old, I went over to his house, and and I love kids like that. I love 12-year-olds, and I really would love to play a game with him or have him up on my lap or tickle him or do that kind of tossing up in the air that we were talking about before. And, and as I get close to him, I find him backing up from me, and he doesn't let me get more than 10 feet away. And and I ask him, what, what, what's the matter? What's wrong? He says, oh, you are so wonderful. You saved my life. Without you, I would not be alive. You are so incredibly important to me. I just honor you and I thank you, but I'm just not worthy to be in your lap. I'm not worthy to be tickled by you. And I realized it's not untrue what he's saying in a sense. I could see his point, but that's that's my decision. Let me choose how he relates to me. I don't want him to choose that apart from me. So our well-intended sense of awe might sometimes be hurtful. It might be I mean, a bit hurtful. When it you share even, this, yeah. it's like you want to be in a relationship with people. Right. We, we might use it as an excuse to not get close. Because we know if he gets close, he actually has access to everything in our heart. And we may be self-protecting. Hmm, that's an interesting because you know we have more talks and we are developing this online courses and it's not how you say that cheap talk what we're doing you know our conversations there is a lot to it and um yeah you you are serious about everything is God's yeah my business everything let me share one other story where we did go to that place of seriousness. But even then, it it was really intimate in a, a surprising way. And on this occasion, we had been thinking about the passage we shared on another podcast about Hebrews 12, verse 22. And we had an occasion to ask some high school kids to just spend 15 minutes using their imagination to see what happens. And it was one of those occasions, occasions where we said, the Lord actually showed up. I mean, there was a tangible awareness of his presence, and all the kids had gotten some space around them, a little you know, privacy. And then it seemed as though the Lord did different things to many of them, and he did something to me. What he did to me was give me an awareness of his love for our workers and for the 100,000 people that lived in a community where all of the transient workers were from. And it was an area that it we... It was in China. Is in China. Mm-hmm. And I had rented a, an apartment there and spent every Friday night for six months praying for that place. And I, I knew it pretty intimately. And so in this evening... 
I found the only comfortable place to be was on my stomach with my arms extended, but it was a polished stone floor. It was very hard, but nothing else was comfortable, and I just wept for them. I think I wept because he, he gave me a peek into how he feels about them, how much love he had for them, and then this horrible gap of them not knowing it. There was kind of incomplete relationship, what he had what he had paid the price to do and how much he cared for them, but they didn't yet know him. And it was a a sorrow, I guess, sadness, and a there was like a, a groaning, just kind of shaking and and weeping. And it went on for two and a half or three hours. And when I got up, there was a, a lake of tears that was about a meter in diameter. I just, I, I, just, the whole floor was just wet. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? <laughs> what, uh, what happened to me? Where, what, what went on? And I think, oh, this is one of those moments when I see his glory. In a sense, I see his intense love. I'm just, overwhelmed with how great he is. But the context is not one in which he's high and lifted up because he's yet unappreciated, unaccepted. And so it was there was a sadness to it. But I felt a real privilege at getting to peek into the way he sees things. It's in relationships when people share their intimate mm-hmm. pain or that's precious. Right. So experiences like this must have affect how you saw the people at work. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that began to happen was I, I recognized that if it's his company and he goes to work every day with me, he may have opinions on who he wants to bring into his company as employees. And I began to look around at the people that were coming and we joked that most of them would not have made it through an interview. So we had, you know, half a dozen folks that were professional bakers on the street. And so they were all disabled in one way or another, had special needs. And so many of them had crutches and that type of thing or walking sticks. And so we decided that we had to ask him if he's sending them. So we didn't, we had a good interview process, but that wasn't the only way you could get into his company because I thought if he's thinking it's his company and he looks at every person in the city and he knows their destinies, he knows his love for them, he knows what he would like, he knows their experiences and their pains and hurts, he would consider it very natural to bring that person, one of those people, into his company so he can minister to them, right? Even though it's non-standard, even though they wouldn't normally pass a an interview process. So we had a, a deal where if we met someone like this on the street and I gave them my personal name card, if they showed up at the office on Monday morning, they got a job mm-hmm. because we, we knew that he was bringing them in. And we had a, a factory that had 18 supervisors that we wanted to promote. And then we found out none of them could read or write. <laughs> And so we had to hire a retired high school teacher to come in for six months to get them literate so we could actually give them the promotions that we wanted to give them. Sometimes I'm looking around at this motley crew and I'm thinking, this is, uh, this is sometimes it doesn't look professional. <laughs> But then you look at what we accomplished as a factory and you realize, oh, it was actually very, very significant, even if it wasn't, quote, professional in all the ways that you would like to be. Well, we have all these different talks uh, 
Bill, it also makes me curious. There must have been also some things that you did or set the stage for or give space to. I think how you view your relationship with God is certainly part of this. We look forward to more talks because now we are almost to the end of it. But uh, in other in another episode, I would like to also hear: Are there some things that set the stage? Is this all kind of directed from above, or is there some things that we can do to to make this happen? I think that the best thing we can do to make it happened to position ourselves is to get clarity on our identity, who we are and what are we up to, who is he, who is the Lord, and what is the relationship with him, particularly in the context of stewarding a company. And so it becomes really very natural to expect him to be there and expect him to have opinions, <laughs> have ideas. <laughs> so I'm looking here for this show us a guide one two three steps but <laughs> i'm not sure if i get a lot of those one two three sh- steps it's more mindsets or heart condition is it i think there's really good news associated with this gear it's the way normal relationships operate we actually all know something about how to have good relationships we just don't think of doing that with him for whatever reason. So I feel like what we've done is learned how to just practice actual normal relationship with him. Now, the disadvantage is he's invisible. And I would grant you that's a bit of a problem. But other than that, there's nothing that we're missing in this relationship. He's promised to speak to us. We can hear him. He's promised to guide us. He'll never lead us. He'll never leave us. He will lead us. So he says, just follow me. And so if you go into work with your hands open, allowing everything to be possible, and just asking him to guide, to lead, then you begin, and it's an adventure, it's a guessing game. Sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we get it right, but the outcome of it has been what we would call life, and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the promise of the gospel is, that we should have life and have it abundantly. So if I go through a week and I realize, you know, I'm not really living this week, <laughs> I don't find that that joy, that adventure, then I, I will pull the plug on whatever I'm doing because it's not worth doing it that way. I want to have the offer of, that he gives to us of life. And that comes in my world in, in the adventure of walking with him. Thank you for sharing. It's a joy to hear some of these. It makes makes me curious, and we will discover more in future podcasts. I hope so, Gay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This was another episode of Kingdom Keys for Business, Life, and Work. As mentioned, we developed a course for you, in which Bill shares more insights how he learned to partner with God. He has a way of making spiritual insights usable and practical, of making the extraordinary, the spiritual, tangible and applicable in daily life, at work, in business. He does so in a joy-filled, engaging way, down to earth, to the point. So take a look at bearmoves.com. I very much enjoyed developing the material with him, and I predict you will enjoy taking this course and get some really good insights. Well, 
don't forget to follow us in your favorite podcast app. Don't miss the next one. We have more interesting material in store for you.